so much on my heart today, you know, sometimes it's hard. I was telling someone in the back at the office, I said, you know, I, I don't know why I use notes. I guess just so I don't get carried off in a what old preacher calls a rabbit trail. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm easily distracted by shiny stuff, I, I was told. So uh, this morning, I just have a lot to say uh, in my, it's in my heart today. And, I've, you know, it's a new year. We're fixing to be in February, I think, in like a week, right? So it's flying by like everywhere else. But I do want to say that uh, we have so many people, like I said, that are out of town today that, and struggling with, with sickness and things like that. And I want us to begin to really understand and have the mindset that this is where you come to get healed. And, you know, remember, there are, there are miracles, not many anymore. I, don't, I will talk about that. You know, miracle is something that's instantaneous. It'd be like, you know, if you're blind and your eyes, then you can see. That's a miracle. But there's also manifestations of healings, the Bible says. And it, it, healing is a process. And God always, in that process, takes advantage when He's taking you from point A to point B while He's got you in His office. He's going to make adjustments in us, and he's going to prove us to see if we really believe. So remember, this is not a sprint. This is not a 100-yard dash. We are in a marathon, and we're doing it together. And I want us to, to continue to renew our minds because I know this, that there are things that have caused us to have a cognitive lock-in. And when it comes down to the core, when we are being pressed and under pressure, that it causes us to go back to what we really believe, or I should say don't believe. I think every one of us here have to deal with that in our lives until, we're talking about Wednesday night, you know, until we find out, oh, that's just me. Because it has nothing to do with what's true or not true. It has to do with a mindset and perspectives, and, and you have to almost learn to trick your brain. The Bible calls it being metamorphosed, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's a continuous process. And once we get through one of our struggles or one of the things we're under pressure about or one of our emergencies, then instead of continuously to build our faith up, guess what we do? We kind of just relax and we don't get that thing pulled up by the root. So, you know, one of the things is understanding there's no such thing as an individual Christian because the whole purpose of God is a people, a body, a family, a government. We can say as many ways as we want to say it. So, but what I'm going to do before I get into this message today or whatever happens today, I'm going to stop and I'm going to receive tithes and offerings from people that are watching us. Every new year, what we try to do is we try to get our money right. We want to get our mouth right, too, this year. And that's what we want to do every year. It's a new commitment to me to get my money right and get my mouth right. Because you can burn down the very thing that you're sowing for with your mouth. If you're tempted to not have belief and not trust God or whatever, if you're tempted, you don't need to be saying it. Because saying it is, you, you, have to, you will hear you double. 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear yourself say it, you've already heard it in your brain and in your mind. You say it, and what it does, it is confirmed out of the mouth of two witnesses. And now you come into agreement with yourself by agreeing with what doubt and unbelief comes out of our mind. Do y'all know that this is a battle that we all must face? And you may not face it now. I didn't face it really when I was a teenager. Teenager, man, well, I mean, or when I was eight years old, you know, the only battle I had is I want a certain thing for Christmas or something like that. I hope to God they didn't catch me for stealing what I stole. Living in the economy of God always, listen to me, provides more than enough, and it takes away the worry. If we can really believe it. And that's what we're trying to get to. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessings are the benefits of Yahweh maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. But if we don't believe something, it doesn't matter if it's happening or not happening, then you can't benefit, I mean, enjoy the benefits, and you will be so, have sorrow about everything serving God. And that's what we have to find, that joy and peace. So we know that what I've always tried to help you do, and this house do, is to be financially prosperous by using the economy of God. And i got to tell you, I can bear witness and a testimony that people who are joined in this house enjoy financial prosperity. There's no question about it. I don't mean they won the lottery or anything like that. And the reason, one of the reasons that I'm so adamant about talking about money all the time is because the last thing that you and I need to be is distracted with and worried about finances. Do you agree with that? There's other stuff. I think our finances should be something that we are in the economy of God. We're in the rhythm of faith. We put God first in our life, and he always gives us more than enough. We need to be focused and use our faith on the important things in life and stop wasting it on material things. That don't mean we don't have material things. I'm talking about has to do with the order of first things. The Bible says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, we believe the true gospel is what that means. And righteousness, doing what's right before God. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, say all, these what? Things shall be what? Added unto you. Absolutely. And you can get worried about it and think you're the one that's doing it, even when it's God, and can't enjoy the fact or the relaxation to know that God is the one who's adding to you. I've seen it happen all the time. I get a lot of criticism when I talk about money. I know that, always have. People say it all the time. But guess what? I don't get it from those that are benefited from it, it. Those that benefit from it don't complain. So Chris is probably going to put up some... The way to give from texting, and we have echocityoflife.com, we have a Venmo, a Cash App. That's all on screen that we put up for all of you that want to give. And it, somebody's asked me, so you're, you're doing commercials now? Yeah, I sure am. I sure am. Because I would be disobeying God if I didn't tell you the same thing that we believe, and that is if you don't give tithes in your offerings, you're a thief, and you can't enter the kingdom of God. That's a hard thing that people want to believe, but that's only because they have been culturalized by the harlot and her daughters. And as Joel sang, sang this morning so wonderfully, there was a presence on that this morning, wasn't it? I'm going to think about me. I tried to, I was going to play with it, play, and 
and sing with him, he just said, uh, no, I'll do it. So I'm saying this. Some of you feel joined to me today, then you need to give your tithes and offerings, and you need to do what we do. That's number one. We give tithes and offerings. First of the year, we commit to an extra tithe a month, an extra weekly tithe every month. Number th Next thing we do is we give in a first fruit offering, and we give in our, uh, and it called, it's called an insurance offering every, every uh, January. That's all I ask. I don't ask anything else. We don't have a building fund. We don't have anything like that. This is what we do. That's the law of this house. And if you're joined to us to get it right, that's what you, you need to do. And if this word is a blessing to you, I pray that you'll express it through your finances and prayerful support and help me declare this message of the restoration of the worst, the worst crime in history, the hijacking of the gospel. There's not, there's, it's a little light, but it is a light. How many of you know sometimes all you need is a little light? And what we're doing here, if we don't do anything else, we are a testimony and a lighthouse restoring the true gospel that the Gentiles stole and perverted. So at the end of this age, let me tell you what we're doing. God is restoring things like his name, the true gospel that must be believed. If, if we don't do it, I just don't hear many other people doing it. Matter of fact, I have to say right now, none, but I know there are. Help us declare this message. And for those of you that do, right now, those that are watching, I want you to do what you're doing. Do it now. Believe for and receive a hundredfold return on everything you sow. I have repented to God for one thing, to underestimate the power of what's said as I stand in the office of apostle over this ecclesia. I have underestimated that and therefore haven't used the authority and the power of this office like I should have. I can notice that when we declare certain things as an ecclesia, as the government of God in the earth today, I see the power of it. And today, I believe God's going to move us to the believing of that power and that family and who we are and the true gospel. If you can say, Yahweh, I'll take care of you and your house first, and you can declare this about yourself. I declare every one of my bills are paid. I declare every need is met, every debt's removed, and I'm going to have more than enough left over. That's a powerful statement. And i got to tell you, many of you, because as we declared it in this house, in the place where God declares the blessing and commands the blessing, it happens to people. And I declare it, goes, it, it happens over you. If you will agree with the truth and declare that also. So this morning, the commercial's over. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get it down to a quicker commercial. You ever seen where they have a big commercial the first day they put it on, but then they start cutting it down? And the reason they can do that is they can save money with time, and your mind already know the old commercial, and you can finish it in your head. Did y'all know that? So I should be able to just stand up here and say it's time. Y'all, okay, I know. In the world today, what's so important about this house, other than I like what Gail said Wednesday night, the fact is we're making disciples. That's what we're doing here. We're preparing a people. And if we don't do anything else, if nothing else happens, if we, you get prepared, if we as a people get prepared for the return of Christ and get our well done, how many of you know that what else really matters? You think what house you live in matters. You think what kind of car you drive in matters. I can tell you now, those things can't satisfy you now. 
Just that you think you want it and, you, and we're still trying to live up to some image and we've dealt with that. So as we are easing out of the teaching of naked and unafraid and ecclesia and all that stuff, as we're easing out of it, I don't want you to forget it. And as we ease out of it, I want us to understand that there are, there are things that people say, oh, I've already heard that, but they ever learn, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth that causes a change in them. Because most people, excuse me, a lot of people never truly submit. They always withhold like Ananias and Sapphira. I got to tell you, one of my good friends told me one day, that his wife said this to him, and it's going to be my mantra for the rest of the year. You were not invisible. I'm like, that's the great. After I laughed a half an hour at him, I said, I think it's one of the greatest things I ever heard because somehow people think that they're invisible. You know why? Because they're hiding. It goes right back to that Adam and Eve, that, that fig leaf. They're hiding behind whatever it is, but you're not invisible. God sees you. And the truth is, we see you too. Amen? I said, we see you too. <laughs> and I was talking about, it's like, we better get our money right because God sees. You know, God, uh, Peter said, hey, why did you, you didn't, you didn't, you withheld from that land you sold. You withheld God's money from that. And then we don't understand or we get mad at God when he don't just do everything we want him to do when he wants us to do. This is how it works. When you do everything God wants you to do, then God usually does everything he, he, you want him to do. The reason I say usually is because if there's an exception of being out of his will, you know, if you want somebody assassinated, he probably won't do it. So as we understand that and we try to find out that this, look, this is God. He's God. And if we don't respect him enough in truth to do what he says to do, if we don't fear him with a reverential fear, which is the beginning of wisdom, which is the hatred of sin, then I want to tell you, if you don't think any more highly of him with that, when it comes time for you needing something from him and a miracle or God only can do something, you're not going to believe in him enough to let him do that. Did you hear what I just said? Did I make sense then? Because I'm not sure I did. If you don't respect and believe that God is who he is and can do anything, when you disobey him in your tithes and offerings and the way you live and the way you talk and the way you, you know, be living righteously, if you don't respect God enough and think enough of him in that, that you're not afraid to just lie to, lie to him, not really do it, do it halfway, then when you come and need him and you call out to him because you need him to do something what which no man can do, and the day will come, look at me, there is not a person here that won't come to the day or the time that there'll be something that man cannot help you. Money cannot help you. It's only God can help you. But you won't have faith because you don't believe in God enough to obey him. So how are you going to have, think you're going to have the faith to think that he's going to cure anything or whatever it is that we have a miraculous need of? Did I say it good that time? We can't just think of God, you know, like, well, I can do what I want to do. He, yeah, I can, if I want to just give him this or tithe this or give offerings that or, or lie about this, or I can just live any way I want to, you know, if, if, you can, if that's how you feel about God, then you, you don't believe that he's going to, really, you'll ever believe that he's able to meet the needs that you have. We hear all kind of preaching today. I, I hear it. And the preaching is this. 
it's really cultural preaching. If you go through the years, you will see, listen close, that preaching changes and is adjusted to the cultural climate. Things that when I was a kid, you would never do, ever do. I got to tell you that adultery on television just don't look so bad anymore. You know why? Because now homosexuality on television is accepted. So what is it? They're just boobs. They're just having sex. What's the big deal? Because we culturally think that's okay. Culturally, it's okay to commit adultery. Now, unless you're a politician and they want to get rid of you, then they bring up stuff that everybody else is doing anyhow. So we have these cultural things. So the gospel has been twisted and changes just like the social order is. I told a guy, I said, listen, in the 50 years of my life, when I, when I used to watch television as a young man and black and white TV, and I used to watch Andy Griffith, and I used to watch Lucy and, and Ricky, and I used to watch Dick Van Dyke and Laura, and I want to tell you, from going to that type of bedroom scenario to what we have on access to TV now scenario, if that can happen in 50 short years and change the mindset and the convictions of a generation and a nation, what do you think happened to the gospel in 2,000 years? You think people have a hard time believing that? 2,000 years, you don't think that the cultural and whoever was in charge and who was the influencers and all that, you don't think that, that they changed the gospel? That's not hard to swallow, is it? I said, that's not hard to swallow, is it? I said, hey, sing your country song again. Today we hear this kind of preaching, and I used to preach, and the kind many people still believe, and that was nothing and Yahshua didn't preach anything like that when he was here. But yet somehow, as a young man, I could read the Bible and not even see what he was preaching. I was recently talking to some people. I put some on Facebook. And somebody challenged me about, and, and this is a person who I went to Bible college with and, and love them to death. I, mean, I hadn't seen them since Bible college, but I have nothing against them or anything. I understand why they believe what they believe. So I asked I was talking about what happened to people who died and never heard the gospel. And, of course, they go into, I don't want to get into that. I'll teach on it maybe soon. But, really, I don't have to defend it to many people nowadays because they don't even know. They, they don't even care to defend. At least she has a reason why she don't believe what she thinks she don't believe about what I'm teaching. Y'all hear what I just said? Today, people don't even believe the Bible, period. I put a survey on yesterday. I put two verses on there, Ecclesiastes and Psalm. I said, you know, the dead know nothing and uh, uh, our thoughts perish. So I said, who believes that? I had two people that said no. One was a pastor. Only for years and know his wife. And, you know, he, do, you, do you believe these Bible scriptures? No. <laughs> I'm like, Dang. My wife said, he didn't say no, did he? I said, he? He said, no, I don't believe the Bible. Then I had another guy who I knew his father, and this, and this guy said no. And I told my wife, well, but, but the fact is, he don't believe the Bible at all. Now, I can swallow that better than 
somebody that says they're a pastor who, who openly can just say, no, I don't believe that. And so the, the lady who, and, and my wife said, why do you do that? I said, two reasons. Number one, it gives me mental exercise. And number two, it helps people see some things, that questions that they probably would ask. And I appreciate this, this girl asking the questions, or she's not a girl, she's my age, asking the questions so I can answer them. But I did ask her this. She got into some real obscure stuff, 1 Peter 3, about, you know, Yeshua preaching the spirits in prison and Noah's time and all that, which is just like absent from the body and many other things. If you don't know the basic truths of what the Bible says about a basic subject, then you're not going to understand obscure things. That's why people, that's why there's 33,000 denominations. And so she asked this, she asked this, she asked this, she asked this. She might have done some copy and pasting. I don't care. But she would not answer. May, I hope she's listening today. Answer my question. I've asked you three times. I just want to know. It's just for my survey. Do you believe these scriptures? That when a man dies, his thoughts perish. And when a man dies, he doesn't know anything. Do you believe that? Don't answer me. Pastor said, nope. And he may have not had that attitude. He might have said, no, you idiot. So, the reason I talk so much about the truth about death is because with bladed scriptures, when I put on there what happens to people that die who are not Christians, are not responsible, and I give scripture that shows where they stay dead, they will not see the light, they shall not awake, they shall, you know, when I show people that and they can read that, guess what happens to them? They can't comprehend it. So I was saying the reason I talk about death so much, and this is why I do it, because the first lie and the liar in the, bar, in the garden said this, thou shalt not surely die. That's the lie. And the father of all lies is based in that one thing. And people can read the book of Genesis a thousand times, and, and if you're not careful what will happen, what your, what your cultural influence and slant has been, will in your mind go ahead and read and add to, and you won't even recognize it. That's just like that commercial. They don't have to spend 60 seconds on it anymore. They've already schooled you in the 60 seconds. All they need to do is give you a 10-second little spot on the commercial, and your brain will already finish out what you remember the commercial used to be. I mean, hey, where's the guy on the bicycle? Where's the lady walking her dog? Well, they don't use them anymore because they don't have to. Have to. They've already designed and put in your mind a picture and culturally shaped what you think, so to speak. So here we have, in the very first book of the Bible, and I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear it like you've never heard it before. The Elohim told Adam, if you eat of that tree, ye shall surely die, and you shall return to where? Dust. To what? Or dirt from where I formed you. Somebody asked me, said, do you believe in cremation? I said, I guess so. They said, we well, got scriptural grounds. Well, even Yahshua believes in cremation. <laughs> Why? You go back to dust. And if you don't believe in cremation, that's fine with me. But, but there's a deal up here for $1,195 versus $11,900. You can get a $1,195 deal up, up at uh, the street up here for just a regular cremation why am i saying all this i have no idea maybe i'll get a am i a salesman now i got a part-time job 
So here it says, plainly and simply, you shall. And I like the fact that God didn't leave it out. He said, you're going to die. He said, no, you're going to surely die. I'm sure you're dead. You shall surely die. And guess where? You're going. You're going to go back to the dust. One of the first friends I ever had in my life lived behind me. And he answered that and he said, yep, I believe it. But that's for the body. The soul goes to heaven. Well, I can tell you this. I can show you scripture. What about the Bible says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. So how can the soul that sinneth die if it can't ever die? Nobody knows that. I mean, they don't because, and so, and listen, beautiful guy. I mean, I love him. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, so I, I hadn't talked to him. I, I, he wasn't argumentative. He was just doing what I asked. We answered the survey, and I appreciated it. But the fact is, the reason he believes that is because somebody taught him that. And besides understanding the scriptures like I did, I didn't take God's word. I added to the scriptures. Do you know what the book of the Bible says in the book of Revelation? If you add one jot or tittle that's going to, that, to, the, to the Bible, look that up and see what happens. So this is how we read Genesis now. We read Genesis like this. We say, uh, if thou eat of this tree, thou shalt surely die. But you're really not going to surely die. You're not because you're not really going to be dead, even though you're dead, but you're not really dead. And you're not going to be turned back to dust. You're going to go burn in hell in hell forever and ever. My opinion and the picture that I get in my mind is, dang, God, I wish you'd have told me about the burning eternal fire. I wish you'd have told me that my life wouldn't have ceased, that, that there is no more memory of me, that I know nothing in death, and that I, all my thoughts perish. I wish you hadn't said all, I mean, I wish you'd have really said what you meant and meant what you said, but now the fact is, I do, don't really truly die. The real me lives forever. And if I eat of that tree, I'm not just going back to dust. My thoughts perishing and I know nothing. I'm going to burn in hell and my thoughts are going to be, man, this is hot. My thoughts are going to be, man, I wish I hadn't ate of that tree. Or I would say, man, I know something. So, but we've built our belief system based. Now I want to tell you this. I still think there's people who say they agree with us or whatever who really in their heart they don't i'm just gonna have to get off facebook because i can get so frustrated with people who say they're joined to me and all this and they keep putting on facebook about hey uh, about just pray to jesus and that kind of thing i was like well it's because there's this thing where we add to the scriptures what does the bible really say that happens when a man when he dies it says that you're going to surely die and go back to dust. What does lie say? What does the serpent say? Thou shalt not surely die. But you're going to either go to heaven or hell. And this, I mean, so you see, if we don't let the Bible interpret itself. Now, Johnny, why is that important? Well, if the first book of the Bible gives us a definition of something, then it gives us the advantage. See, all the Old Testament, people say, I'm under a new covenant. <laughs> yeah. The, old co the new covenant says this, that the old covenant is good for rebuke and reproof, instruction in righteousness and, and doctrine. There was no New Testament. That scripture is referring to the Old Testament. So how do I know what happens at death? The Old Testament told me. Here's what it says. Do you believe it? And you know that there's people that you know who don't believe the Bible.
Can you agree with that? I know it's frustrating. I know it's, it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. Why can't they believe the Bible? Listen to me. Because they're in darkness and they are spiritually blind and they shall not inherit the kingdom of God because you can't inherit the kingdom of God without faith. But you can't have misplaced faith. You can't believe something that's not true that God didn't promise and then that please him so you get a well done. I told my wife the other day, I came, uh, we sit outside sometimes, you know, out and uh, probably won't today. <laughs> and, you know, we sit out there and relax a little bit in the evenings. And, and so I, I said, I'll be out there in a minute. And I was out there probably an hour later. And so I said, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm distracted, you know, I feel like Yahweh speaks to me a lot and I hear him and, and I don't want to forget it. I write it down, I log it in, I chisel it or whatever because I don't want it to slip away. And, and this is one thing that I saw for the first time. As long as I've been doing this and hearing this or whatever, and I want to share it with you this morning, some of you probably already will say, well, duh, Johnny. One of the things people tell me and use, because I say this, and you know, I'm kind of coming around to the gospel of the kingdom. What must be believed? You have to believe the Bible. And this is what everybody will say, well, what's your interpretation? I say, well, my interpretation is that the Bible says that the dead know not anything. My interpretation of that is the dead know not anything. I mean, there's no, there's no interpretation because there's nothing culturally that we've allowed to come in to, to define that scripture for us. What about, what, what, what's your interpretation of what happens when a man dies? Well, the Bible says that his thoughts perish. That's what the Bible says happens to a man. Honey, help me remember this. If I go away, I'll prepare a place for you. Just help me remember that because I'm going to go back to it. And so what is important about knowing what happens at death is because if you don't know the truth about what happens then, then you don't have the faith to believe God and know what it takes to have salvation. It's a core thing. Well, I believe in Jesus. Ain't that enough? Well, number one, I don't, you, do we, you want me to go there? Listen, if you don't believe the Bible, then you believe the lie. You got truth, you got a lie. What was the lie in the beginning? The serpent says, thou shalt not surely die. So in other words, this is what he's saying. Elohim said, you're going to surely be dead. And then the serpent says, you're not really going to die. That's the lie. To, to believe the lie means that you believe that you were born with immortality. And the Bible says only one has immortality. And the Bible says that only Christ brought that to light. We can teach all about that. But, but so, the, you know, and how. But so, so what I want us to do this coming year is for us to make sure that this ecclesia is an ecclesia of faith. Because what God wants to do in our midst, he can't do if we're full of doubt and unbelief. And doubt and unbelief doesn't start with you're who you think God is, it's do you believe that the Word of God has integrity? If you don't believe the Word of God has integrity and that it's just a matter of interpretation and that, well, that's the way they see it and that's the way you see it. If we can't believe what the Bible says, then we are not going to be able to access who God is. Because if you don't believe what God is and you don't really take him at his word that he's going to do what he said, evidently Adam didn't believe God when he said what I'm going to do to you. And if we don't believe, so he didn't fear God, really. Except 
when he got, felt the conviction and the guilt of sin on him, and he lost that relationship with God, then he feared. So not one time that I can find in the Bible, and I've looked, I've read other things, many. I could say this, hundreds and hundreds of articles and books and all kind of stuff, trying to find out before I brought this to you guys years ago, am I out of my mind? Is there a slip here somewhere? Am I missing something? Because I sure didn't want to present something to you and have to go back and say again, oh, you know, I was wrong about that too. And so I'd ask other pastors and people, and this is a scripture they used. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. Say, I, will, I will prepare a place for you, that where I am, I will come again. And where I am, you may be also. Okay, so I'm thinking about this. And I've always used that verse to teach this. Okay, he said, I will come again to receive you into myself, that where I am, you may be also. I will come again to receive you into myself, that where I am. So I'm thinking, well, if he's coming, where I am is here to receive you into myself. And so they said, see there? I said, okay. And I always use that, where I am, you, may, you, will, you can be also. And we know that when he came back, where was he? He didn't say where I was or I'm going to take you back to heaven with me or nothing like that. They said, yeah, but that's a, that scripture right there. But, but I, want, I want you to listen. Let's break the scripture down just a little bit. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you so. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay. I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. That where I am, you can be also. Now, we know the New Jerusalem's coming down. I don't want to get them. I want you to just listen to one little thing here that just struck me as so simple. If you just let the Scriptures interpret themselves, and if you don't allow culture, because I got it. I've got teachings. I'm, I have taught in detail certain teachings, and it's not easy to get those beliefs out of you so simply. And so what it says is, I said, let me ask you this. If he's going to prepare a place for you, then you're not there yet. Is that fair? Yeah. And, but I'm going to come and get you to do what? Whatever they believe, if they believe to take you back to heaven to the place he's prepared, it still tells us that there are nobodies in heaven. Does that make sense to anybody? Johnny, why is that such a big deal? Because I know if we are too culturally uh, uh, prejudiced, if we are too culturally slanted, influenced, and we can't understand a basic tenet of the Bible that talks about in Genesis, I'm not talking about hidden away in Obadiah somewhere, then there's no way you're going to believe the true gospel. And if you can't believe the true gospel, then what in the world are we doing here? To believe modern Christendom, to be able to historically see exactly on a timeline Okay, well, this is what's his name, and this is what's his name. He brought that in here. And, and that, that Constantine is the one who created and started Christianity. Matter of fact, the word Christian was a kind of like a racist term started in Antioch about the followers of Christ. You hear me? Hello? That's why I said this. I said, Yahshua never was and never has been and never is not and has never been a Christian. And neither am I. You may tell you why I said that. One, number one reason is because it's the truth. Number two, because 
You can't be neutral any stinking more. We don't have time to be neutral. Oh, it's so well, yeah, we love you. We're the good people and all that. Okay, oh, that's good. You're a good guy. He's over there. He's drowning. You know, yeah, he's a good guy. Hey, love you. But you're not going to tell him about that rope there? It is important for us. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have an evangelism explosion and we're going to go knocking doors and all that. I'm not saying that. But we better be ready to defend what we say we believe. Because if you can't defend it, you don't know it. If you don't know it, then you can't believe it. Yeah, well, what, what, what do y'all believe? Well, we, I believe what Johnny believes. I think you can start there as you're learning. There is a gospel to be believed. And we have to know that gospel. The fact is that one of the worst things that you've got to think is the worst things for a man of God, a pastor, to preach something that we know is going to do nothing but deceive people about their opportunity for immortality. I don't know anybody worse than that person. Are y'all awake, awake today? Turn, turn, open the doors. Get it cool in here. Only reason I warmed it up because my wife said, it better be warm when I get in there. I let, let a woman turn it on, too. So I'm going to say what I said again because we, don't, we just don't want to deal with it, y'all. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. We don't, don't want anybody to not like us. We feel like, oh, if I say that, what if they, what if they don't like me or what if they think I'm crazy or whatever? Have you not got past that? If not, then you're still naked and afraid to be who you really are. I'm not talking about getting on a soapbox. I'm not saying, I'm talking about you and I must develop this belief system that people who believe the wrong gospel have no chance for immortality. And it's not okay for them to say and believe what they believe. I mean, it's okay for them. Let them do it. I, you're not going to stop them. I got to tell you this. I had a preacher one time tell me, this is when I first started really being vocal about this. And my, let me say, not just vocal, confidence and boldness and that's what I'm looking for in us today confidence and boldness because we really have faith and we really believe and this guy said who all preaches what you preach actually that was at a funeral I believe and they had a little meal for we were one of the special guests we got invited to the little meal back there heard you've been preaching some things Johnny what? and I said yeah like what so I gave him a little rundown who else is preaching that I said, mm, there's probably nobody you've heard of. He said, who that? Who's that? I said, Jeremiah, John, Yeshua. You know who Yeshua is, right? The Apostle Paul. I started naming these people, you know, and he's like, ha, 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 very funny, very funny. He basically told me that because nobody in our culture is writing books, which may not even be true. I don't know. I hadn't read all the books. There may be books out there. But nobody on famous on national TV or, you know, making a lot of money and got big churches and all that kind of stuff. He said, because of that, that, that proves that what I'm preaching is erroneous. This has got to be 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, okay. It's erroneous. So what I started to say on my Facebook page today, after I got my survey back of all three people, Okay, I don't want to exaggerate. Me, Bevy, and somebody else who was from India. I mean, I just, I friend them all. I got, I got a thing the other day, this, this woman, 
She's a big girl. She big. I mean, she was like, and she's, are you married? She like had one tooth right there. And I'm not against that. That's what you like. I, I, I like most teeth. He's like, say, hey, you married? <laughs> oh, baby, I still got it. <laughs> I said, I am, but I think my brother Joel might be available. <laughs> Sorry, Crystal. You can get me later. Whatever it was, 12, 13, 14. And all of those, there were only two no's. Everybody else said, yes, 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 yes. And a lot of those that said yes don't really mean yes because they don't really know what I'm even talking about. They're just not going to say, I don't believe the Bible. True? They're not going to say, I don't believe the Bible. No, I don't believe that. But they say yes. And then when I tell them what I believe, they'll say, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> so with my friends 10 years ago, logic, because we had the yeses had the noes 10 to 2, so to speak then that obviously must mean that we're right because we had the majority. Well, this guy had the philosophy, and he believed that if, if because nobody was, was, doing, was teaching that, that it meant that it was erroneous and basically heretical. I said, oh, okay, that's, that's how you can tell? He said, yeah. I said, well, then all Christianity is heretical. What do you mean? You know what? Buddhism, how many people they got? Christianity is not the largest religion in the world. So if it's not the largest, it must mean that it is wrong based on some stupid analysis of a culturally biased person. Because they think that success is based on something culturally told to them. I want to tell you, I've seen more and more of this happen. I've seen more and more preachers kill themselves. I've seen that. But I've also seen, had one guy the other day, a friend of mine, he said, he's like, I'm not going to, no more smoke for me, no more, I'm just going to preach the truth. I'm like, well, to come talk to me. But they're realizing that there's no fulfillment, just like the world realizes, there's no fulfillment in a fleshly, carnal full of satisfaction, because it can't be satisfied. You just keep on, got to have more, 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 more. So this morning, I just kind of shared out of my heart, I want you to know that what Yeshua preached is not what's being preached today. And I know it, just, it, it hurts people's feelings when I say I'm not a Christian and neither was Yeshua. I'll tell you who, who was a Christian. Jesus was a Christian. You know why? Because they changed his name. They changed what he preached. They changed what his goal was. They, they changed what he promised. The ruling and reigning with him, he, he didn't preach that anybody would go to heaven. He said, talked about them going to hell, but it's not the hell that you have culturally been biased to believe. It's the biblical hell. Got some CDs on it. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, I must go away, but I'm going to return. And when I do, I'm going to take care of business. The only people who will be resurrected when Yeshua comes are those who are responsible. Those people who live in these deserted islands or never heard the gospel or whatever, and they die, the Bible says they will never see the light of day. They will never awake. They stay dead forever. Let me tell you why. Because that's the penalty for sin. Romans said the wages of sin is death. And daggummit, if Paul didn't do like the Elohim did in the scriptures, 
He failed to warn us about you don't really die, you're really living forever, and you're going to burn in hell forever. That's the wages of sin. But it's not. When we read that, then our mind finishes a sentence, and there is no blank to fill in. It is what it is. It says what it says. We must believe what it says. And it says the wages of sin is death. I don't think there's an issue in this house. And a lot of the people who said yes on Facebook to my little survey is because they've read my post and maybe weren't scared to use their brains. Because when it comes to those kind of things, it's easy to not use your brain. Amen? Man, I just didn't use my brain. I could just, except for imagining stuff that was just so stupid. But when you're in deception about the truth, which is God's word, then it's not hard to be deceived about other things. Like what, Johnny? To be deceived about who you really are. To be deceived about if you're, if you're really loved or not. We were talking Wednesday night about how easy it is to get insecure about somebody. And we're not talking about somebody we ain't seen. You know, we, we can feel out of place in our own family if we're not careful. And, and listen, I know people who say, well, I've never done that like that. Well, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss your narcissism later. So I'm going to leave us this morning with this. I want to encourage us. Let's do what God's called us to do in this house. Let's remember that what God wants to do is to have a people that have the same judgment, the same mind. We believe the same thing. The fact is, what God really promises us and gives us hope for is one thing. You heard what I just said? And that's not a tall, dark, and handsome, rich person to marry. You've got to do that on your own. Somehow, when we believe that God's promised us this, when He hasn't, then we can get disappointed in God. When God said, listen, I'm going to let you be lucky enough. And everyone in this building right here, you, I hope you go home today and you get on your face before God and you cry out to Him and you say, thank you, thank you, thank you that you've given me an opportunity to see the truth. Because even the American-style gospel and what we think and the, the uh, white picket fence and that whole mentality, I can tell you, is bullcrap. But we can walk in the peace and the joy of God and know that we, there's one hope. I don't have a hope of anything. Now, there's things I want to happen and I have desires, but the hope that I have is that Yeshua's going to come and he's going to give me a well done and I'm not going to have to stay dead, that I can live forever to rule and reign with him and watch this and serve him all the days of my life. Not get a mansion, you know, and get me, I'm getting me a Maserati and a mansion, you know, I'm getting a, I'm going to get a big boat. We're going to, we're going to go on vacation and we're going to spend all of our time doing that. That's not what, that's not what God is offering. That's what modern Christendom lies to us about and says, if we do this and we serve God, we're going to get rich. How many of you know they do it? You, I mean, I'm not talking about more than enough. I'm talking about a fleshly thing. And all they're doing is offer us a carrot that we can't get. And if we do get it, we find out that it's rotten. This morning, let's make our calling and our election sure. And let's firm up what the true gospel is. And I'm going to be doing that over the next couple of weeks, maybe. I can't promise that. But I will try to do that. 
What is the true gospel? What is it that we must believe? Why do I believe it? What's it based on? How, how can I get my mind in a place to where my brain says, boom, there it is, instead of doing this? Instead of people saying, well, that's contradiction. When you know and take the Bible and let the Bible explain itself, there are no contradictions. And this truth will open the door to this truth. And this truth will open the door to this truth. That will open the door to this truth that does what? It helps you learn who the character of God is, what God is, you know, to respect Him, to fear Him. When we do that, then I can tell you that we will have life and life more abundantly on this earth now. But it's not based on what God's going to do for me. It's what I'm going to do for God. We have to understand who He is. We don't have a problem doing that with our bosses. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even though we may leave and complain about it. I believe that we have the opportunity this year for you to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. And that God is going to put you and me in a place, this ecclesia, in a place where we have true faith. And that's just going to be the byproduct of our true faith and what the Bible plainly, simply, I can't get any more simplistic. Can I say it any more simplistically than what I said to that survey? God bless y'all.